Better Together, part three. We started this a couple of weeks ago. We're going to continue on that this morning. So if you have uh, your Bible or whatever device you want to read along with, if you have none of those, the words should be on the screen behind me. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter four. I'm going to begin reading at verse 11 and read through verse 16 as we get into this part three of Better Together. The first week I opened it up and talked about what is community. And we discovered that we have community by virtue of being born again into the family of God. God himself is in community with God the Father, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we are born again into the family of God, we come into community with God and we come into the community in the family of the kingdom of God with one another. So when we're talking about better together and building community, we're not necessarily building it as if it doesn't exist. What we're really doing is we're offering an opportunity and equipping ourselves by becoming involved in community that already exists in the body of Christ. I am in my family that I'm in by virtue of my birth, and it's my choice how much I want to commune with them, fellowship with them, and so forth. And so likewise in the family of God, you are already, you are already in the family of God, and we want to encourage to uh, take advantage of that by being in community with one another because God has designed us not to be doing life alone, but rather to be doing life in community, being reliant on one another. So it takes a degree of confidence in God's word. It takes a, it takes a good dose of humility to, uh, to shed ourselves of self-reliant attitudes or mindsets that we may have. And so, uh, but we can do all things through Christ Jesus. We can shed whatever uh, uh, pride or egotism or, uh, or individualism, in, uh, independence, whatever it is that may be hindering us from opening up and coming into community with one another. If you were to, uh, with your device there, if you were to Google introvert, don't do it, but if you were to do it, my profile would come up. So a few months ago, and we were doing the service planning for the fall and coming up with us again in the fall, we're going to be launching grace groups. So let's do this series on better together and looking at uh, the things that we wanted to address. I remember uh, having a, a laugh with the, with the team saying, you want me to lead this charge of uh, better together. I said, I was perfectly fine with the COVID shutdown. That didn't bother me a bit. I mean, some people struggled with that. I mean, I was good. This is cool. <laughs> the ultimate introvert, I, I, can, I can do just fine. I'm, I'm independent, self-reliant. And some of that may be by nature. Some of it was instilled within me. Uh, in my family culture, but it was also the, the culture of the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, you know, the individualism, you know, the ruggedness, and you can do this yourself. I have six brothers, and we are all fiercely independent of one another. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> but here I am, encouraging you as I am encouraging myself to lay it down, whatever individualistic attitudes we may have, whatever pride, whatever it may be that hinders us from admitting that hey, it's better to do life together with one another rather than trying to go it alone. Jesus did not want us to go it alone. Jesus did not go it alone. He called his disciples to be with him. Then he equipped them and sent them out, but he called them to be with him. And so God has called and placed people into your life to be with you as well. And in Ephesians chapter four, 
The Apostle Paul is, is writing this uh, letter to the church at Ephesus and he's instructing them about unity in, in the body of Christ and how important unity is and how we are to make every effort to make every effort uh, to, to keep yourselves united together in the spirit. We are to be binding ourselves together uh, with peace for there's one body and one spirit just as you've been called into one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. And then he says, however, he's given to the church, he's given gifts to the church and referred to them many times that they're referred to as the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, the pastor, uh, the evangelist, the teacher, and, and whatever, I don't know if I said five there or not, but the, the gifts have been given to the church for equipping for the equipping of the saints to be doing the work of the ministry. And that's where it begins in verse 11. So let's begin reading there. It says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of of. God's son. Notice the inclusive language here, their responsibility. Uh, this will continue until we, everyone say we all, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We're not going to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ individually. But together, we're measuring up to that. Verse 14 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Grace groups are designed to, uh, as, a, as another tool, another vehicle to get us to grow and more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And, and verse 16 here is key. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The whole body fits together perfectly. Whole body fitting together perfectly. Not individual parts, but the whole body, the sum total of the whole, synergy, perfectly fitting together. As each part does its own special work, you have a special work, you have a special part in the body of Christ, so it's not right for you to isolate yourself from other parts of the body as Christ has brought you together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Grace groups are to help one another grow. We learn from one another. Iron sharpens iron. Pastor Ronnie talked about that last week, how uh, two are better than one, how iron sharpens iron. So it's important that we recognize that we are here to help one another grow so that the whole body is healthy. I'm going to say healthy. Aren't we all looking to be healthy, spirit, soul, mind, and body? I mean, that's all a part of it. And so we're looking to be as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing, healthy, growing, and full of love. And we say healthy? healthy. 
Say growing and full of love. That's what the body of Christ is all about, recognizing that we are coming together as community. We are better together. We are designed to be together. And so that's what we are focusing on and working on. So it's our heart's desire here, Grace, that, that you come to a place such as this, that, that you will experience God and that you are discovering your purpose that you are growing in community, and as a result of that, you are making a difference because Jesus makes the whole body fit perfectly together. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians 12. And look at verse 18, and I'll begin reading at verse 18. It says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. How strange would it be for me to be looking out there, and I, you know, with... Joan Antosi, all I see is an eye. I mean, you're, you're an eye. <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird? It's just an eyeball sitting there. And over here is an arm. And over there we have a big toe. <laughs> just individual parts disconnected from one another. Do I see a nose back there? All the noses, please raise your hands. Oh, no, you don't have any hands. You can't do that. <laughs> but all the noses, please stand up. <laughs> no, we couldn't do it. We all need one another. We're not to be isolated and disjointed and disconnected from one another. But the whole body being together, we, we are growing. And that's what we're desiring to do is that we are growing and, and continuing to uh, mature in, in the things of God. So uh, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. You can never say to another person, to another gift that Jesus has placed in the body of Christ, I don't need you. I can do it all by myself. I can do it all by myself. That is something that is, uh, that's the nature of the flesh, that we can do it all by ourselves. And it's something, we, we, it's something that we need to train ourselves out of. Again, humility is probably one of the best antidotes for it. To humble ourselves and admit that, yes, I can do certain things as an individual, but I can do even more things and I can do greater things and I can, do God's, I can discover God's full purpose for my life being connected together with the body of Christ, perfectly joined together. So we must never have that attitude that I don't need you. Self-reliance is an unbiblical way to deal with God, to, 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 uh, unbiblical way to deal with God-created need for one another. We have a God-created need for one another. And the barrier of self-reliance is a real hindrance to that. 
We have certain uh, scriptures that many times, many people know these. Uh, they're from, you're familiar with them. Philippians 4.13 would be one. We see this um, often uh, just used in part, and it gets pulled out of context. Some people say, well, you know, recently I just I can do all things. And that's all they quote. I can do all things. Well, the scripture is not teaching that. Yes, it does say I can do all things. But first of all, it says I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so that in itself is much better than the shortened version. But many times you'll see it on a T-shirt or a hat or something or on someone's shoes. says, I can do all things. And then we were, you know, it's used to motivate people. It's used to give us incentives that, come on, you can do this. You can do all things. You can do all things. You can do all things. You know, we, we, we pound that into ourselves and into one another. You can do it. You can do all things. But more accurately, you can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. But even that full sentence there is accurate, but it's not accurate in and by itself. It's better together with the next verse. And even in your Bible study, it's not right to just pull certain scriptures out and say, oh, this one sounds really good. This is a good motivational scripture. This is, you know, this is going to be something that I'm going to you know, decree and declare and I'm going to experience this in my life. But we need to keep everything in context. And so uh, I can do all things through Christ. And look at the next verse. Verse 14 of Philippians 4. Even so, so the Apostle Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but even so, or nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So the Apostle Paul is saying, I have learned that whatever state I'm in, whatever, wherever I find myself, whether I find myself in need, I find myself in abundance, I find myself hungry, I find myself well-clothed, or I find myself uh, naked, whatever, whatever, however I find myself, I have learned that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, or even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So the Apostle Paul is not teaching in verse 13 your individualism, your ruggedness, and that you can do this all by yourself. Yes, we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength, but remember, we have the body of Christ that we can call on. We have people we can uh, have to be praying with us and, and to be encouraging us and, and that we can be praying for others and encouraging one another and that we can come together and bear the load together. Romans 8, 31 is another one that we'd like to put out there. You say, well, if God is for me, who can be against me? And, you know, many times it's implied as, well, God's for me, so nothing can be against me. That means if nothing can be against me, I don't need you. You don't need me. God is for me. I can do all things through Christ. Just leave me alone. That's not, that's not the communication of God. That's not the love of God. That's ruggedness, that's individualism, and it, it, it's not accurate. And so we need to be humble and, and recognize that I am in an interdependent relationship with God, first and foremost. I need God, and God needs me. I need you, and you need me. We need one another. We need the gifts. And, and Jesus Christ has given gifts into the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And he's brought us together and he has perfectly joined us together. Perfectly. Everyone say perfectly. 
So your gifting, your grace gift that you have, it fits perfect in the body of Christ. And so the goal is that you would, uh, that you would experience God, that you would uh, d- discover uh, your purpose, and that you would uh, make a point that I'm going to grow in community. And as a result of this, I am going to be making a difference in life. So we need God. God is dependent on us, and we are dependent on him. Too often we think, well, you know, God needs to do something about this or God needs to do something about this social injustice over here or this social injustice over here or God needs to bring a remedy to this. He has. His name is Jesus. He's brought his remedy. His name is Jesus. Everyone say, his name is Jesus. We just sang it earlier. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's in the middle. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's writing your story. He's got it. His name is Jesus. And Jesus did what he needed to do by going to Calvary's cross, paying the price for the sins of humanity, redeemed us back into a good relationship with God, brought us into a place of fitting perfectly together with the family of God. And then Jesus said that he has been given, he humbled himself even to the point of death. God raised him up and gave him a name that's above all names. It's the name of Jesus. And every other name has to bow to the name of Jesus. When Jesus ascended to be seated again at the right hand of God the Father, before he did that, he commissioned the church that's perfectly fit together, the disciples that he called to be with him, and now he's sending them out. And it also applies to you and I today. He is sending us out into a world perfectly joined together. Send us out into a world. He didn't leave us. He didn't pull us out of the world when we got saved. When you accepted Jesus, he didn't immediately just take you up into heaven. So he took you out of the world system, left you in the world, perfectly fit together with the rest of the believers in the world that the world might know that God loves them. If for no other reason, we need to come together in unity with one another, in community with one another, and be in agreement with one another, and allowing that perfect fit, that how God tailored it and how God designed it, to allow that to be manifested, that's what the world is looking for. That's what they are crying for. All the angst and the frustration and, and, and what we're seeing and experiencing in our culture, they're looking for answers, and you know, and I know that government can't answer. Only Jesus Christ, only God can bring the solutions. Government has its part. The church has its part. We need to be working together. We need to be working together, perfectly being joined together so that we can bring the solutions that the lost and dying world is so longing for and and looking for. So even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Recognize that, yes, you have times of difficulty. Other Other people have times and seasons of difficulty, but we come together and we assist one another. So uh, turn with me uh, in Mark chapter 14. I want you to, to see that. So again, if you're reading along with me, I'm inviting you to turn there. In Mark 14, Jesus himself was at a, a season of his life and his mission. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer. And in verse 32, it says, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John with him, 
and he became deeply troubled and distressed. So we're talking about being in community with one another, assisting one another. Jesus had no problem admitting that he was deeply troubled and distressed. Do you have a problem letting people in your community know that you're deeply troubled and distressed? Are you too proud to do that? Been a long time in my life and I was way too proud to admit that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How you doing? I'm doing great. I could have been on the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial. That's how great I was doing. <laughs> and crumbling inside. Great. Inside it's falling apart. We need to get over that. We need to get over that, and you don't have to wait to get as old as I am to figure that out. We need one another. Jesus admitted he was deeply troubled and distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. <laughs> that can take you out of community quicker than anything. When you finally are open and transparent with someone and you're asking them into that most vulnerable part of your life and you find out that they didn't stick with you, that can hurt. That can really hurt. And if you've experienced that, don't stay there. Like Peter, when he was out fishing all night, he didn't catch anything. That doesn't feel good. But Jesus said, launch out again. Let's do this again. This time I'm with you. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. It's okay to pray the same prayers you prayed before when you're praying prayers of consecration and dedication. Jesus is consecrating and dedicating himself to not my will be done, but your will be done. You can pray that as often as you need to until you get it right. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayers before when he returned to them again. He found them sleeping for the... <laughs> for they couldn't keep their eyes open. And they didn't know what to say. It's like... It's like being caught with your hand in a cookie jar. All right. He caught me sleeping. And now he's given me another opportunity. He comes back and darn it, I fell asleep again. I fell asleep again. And they didn't know what to say. When he, when he returned to them the third time, verse 41, he said, go ahead and sleep. <laughs> a lot of help you are. Right? Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up! Let's get going. Just walk with me just for a second. Jesus, he's troubled, he's distressed, he's grieved. He knows he's going to face the cross. And he's asking his friends, he's asking his community, 
his disciples to pray with him. Stay here and keep watch. And he goes and he consecrates himself to the Father and he comes back instead of keeping watch, they're catching some Z's. And then he, all right, stay here. I'm gonna go pray the same prayer again. Listen, we're gonna try this again. He comes back there asleep again. He says, third time. They don't know what to say. They just keep falling asleep. No doubt you've asked people to intervene, come into your life, and they basically drop the ball, fell asleep on you, or didn't come through for you. That's a very real, that's, that's very much a reality in our lives. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. I remember a few years ago, I, I received a, a text from the, I'm a part of the Rama Bible College that I graduated from. They have a Rama Ministerial Association that, that are licensing and ordinations through that. And, and so I get communications from them frequently and, and uh, I get a text message that one of the Rama members was hospitalized with a serious injury and you know, it looked like he wasn't gonna make it. I remember reading that and just kind of like, thank you, Lord, he's healed in Jesus' name, and just going about my business. And just a few moments later, I sensed the Holy Spirit just like speaking to me and said, you know what? If you're ever at the point of death, knocking at death's door, and you cry out, and you reach out for people to intercede for you, and that's the level of prayer that they pray for you, is that you're probably not gonna make it. Especially if it's the Holy Spirit rebuke. So if you're gonna be in community with someone, then go ahead, when they ask you for prayer, then go ahead and pray. Come through. We're not doing this for something to do, for more exercises or to take another hour out of your week. But you do have an hour. We can come together and help one another. So the grace groups is a tool to facilitate our coming together. We can't pray for everyone. I realize our sphere, especially with social media, your sphere gets way too big. Jesus had his 12 disciples, and then he had the three. Then yet John, whom he loved. And so you may just want to start cutting your social media down to 12 friends and three really close ones and then one really good one. Anyway, just a thought. I'll just throw that out there for free. But don't fool yourself. They're not all your friends. And you really can't, you can't be there for all those people, and all those people can't be there for you. But get yourself in an environment. Get yourself in relationships where you're, we can call upon people. Jesus could call upon people. And he did call upon them. One more statement I want to make here in, in closing. I want to invite you to consider when you're reading the scriptures, especially when you're reading through the New Testament, did you know that there's at least 20, uh, 24 times in scripture where you're challenged to greet one another? You are called to pray for one another. We are called to encourage one another. We are called, to, uh, called upon to comfort one another. 
We are called upon to bear one another's burdens. We're called upon to receive one another, just as Christ has received us. We're called upon to give honor to one another. There's a lot of one another's in the scripture. But it doesn't say I pray for myself, doesn't say accept myself, encourage myself, and comfort myself, and, and bear my own burdens, and greet myself, and receive myself, and honor myself. And it never says to judge one, one another or to gossip about one another. But we are to honor, receive, greet, bear, comfort, encourage, accept, and to pray for one another. That's called community in the body of Christ. That's, that's called coming together as one in the spirit of God. So we all need God in our lives and we all need one another. How many people in here you ever ordered, have you ever ordered furniture from I Ikea? Hmm? You've done that? You don't have to be embarrassed just to raise your hand. I mean, I've done it. I have a credenza in my office that I ordered through Ikea. It's a five foot wide credenza. And the top is about an inch and a half thick, and the box came five feet wide and about three inches thick. And I'm thinking, okay, this credence is supposed to be like 30 inches high. And then I undid the box, and there's a zillion pieces on my floor. I got it together. Looks pretty good. But I have spare parts. Do you have spare parts with yours? <laughs> what do you do with it? They belong in there somewhere. But I didn't bother finding out because it's together. It's pretty solid. It's been staying in place. But don't be one of those spare parts. You were put in the package of the kingdom of God for a reason. God had an idea for your Ikea. And you belong in there and you have a place. So find out where it is and get in there. Amen. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us into the kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We thank you for it, Father. Father, we thank you for the healing grace of God as we prayed earlier. I believe, Father God, that that's manifested. I thank you for your supernatural provision and those that have a need of supernatural provision, Father, that your favor, your grace is manifested in just astounding ways, Father. Just cause it to happen. Just cause it to happen. Bring about that miracle. Just cause it to happen, Father. That's why we call it miracles. In Jesus' name. For those that are suffering, Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the God of comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, is working in and through us to comfort others. So, Lord, we thank you for sensitivity to the Holy Spirit as we assist one another, as we pray for one another, as we encourage one another, love on one another from this day on in Jesus' name, name above all names. While you're seated here just for a moment, let's just have heads bowed just for a moment. Perhaps you're here today and said, Pastor Ray, I've never received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, but I'd really like to be in uh, I'd really like to make that commitment to come into the family of God. I really want to be a part of God's plan for what he's doing. We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you just slip up your hand right where you're seated, is anyone in this auditorium here at all? All right, I don't see any hands raised, so I've trusted you've done that to continue to put your faith and your confidence in Almighty God. He loves you. And uh, here's what I want you to do in your way out today. Purpose to greet someone that you normally don't greet. Perhaps you don't, haven't even met them. 
they're part of the family of God. Just go ahead and meet them this morning. Introduce yourself and greet them and tell them how wonderful they are and say, wasn't that a wonderful message Pastor Ray gave today? Wasn't, wasn't that an awesome worship set this morning? Or, man, you look awesome today. Whatever, just do something you haven't done before. All right, that's simple enough. That's a good place to start. Then get online and sign up for, for one of the grace groups. God bless you. We love you. And we will see you next Sunday morning. Have an awesome rest of the day.